Welcome to another episode of Cyber Coast to Coast. I am one of your hosts, Craig Schober, and I'm coming at you from Long Beach on the West Coast, and I'm joined by my brother, Scott Schober. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Hey, doing great. Great to catch up with you here over on the, uh, the East Coast. Good to hear. Um, let's get right into the show. Uh, but before we do, um, we should mention that this episode of Cyber Coast to Coast is brought to you by Cyberlytica, and Cyberlytica provides proactive cybercrime intelligence. And you can learn more about them on their website, uh, cyberlytica.com. Um, well, let's do a quick rundown first uh, before we jump into the first story. Uh, we got two stories from uh, bleepingcomputer.com. Uh, first one is a about a, a big hack by a, a lapsus, a hacking hackers group uh, against Microsoft. Uh, we'll give you more info on that. Uh, and we got a Google Play uh, story about a kind of a bogus app that's stealing faces. And our, our third story is, um, well, anonymous is added again, more anonymous stuff, more Russia, Ukraine stuff. So we'll give you all the details on that. Um, but let's Let's cover the first story first, and that would be the one on uh, Bleeping Computer. Uh, obviously, the link's going to be in the show notes. Uh, this one was a big hack, um, leaked source code, uh, including stuff for Bing, Cortana, and other Microsoft products. Um, we got, a, what is it, a nine, nine gigabytes uh, 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 zipped files. 250 projects that Microsoft created. They're actually claiming 90% of the source code for Bing. That's a that's a giant amount. Um, I, I mean, Bing's not Huge. a very yeah. Bing isn't a very big search engine, not used by that many people. But it's the second largest one in the world. So that that's that's exactly fair, that's fairly large. Uh, 45 again, 45% for Cortana. I don't know how many people use the voice assistant Cortana, but considering how many Microsoft devices and computers are actively used out there. 45% of a voice assistant that's spread across them. That's a, that's a giant number, even if most people don't use that as their default. Um, you did, did you, you, you said, you mentioned you covered the story on a uh, uh, cybercrime magazine. Uh, what, what did you come up with anything? Yeah, actually I talked about it on, on a cybercrime radio this week. And I think that a couple of standouts to me, Interestingly enough, we always hear about cyber breaches, this and that, but when we think about source code, it's a little bit of a different beast there. Source code is very near and dear to a company's heart, and um, when it's compromised, it can be used for competitive purposes, so it really is like the secret sauce inside of many companies, so the value of it mm -hmm. is untold, and that's why it's so important, it's so protected, so we, we know Microsoft goes at great lengths to, to keep this intellectual property protected. And I started to wonder how could they have possibly uh, gotten in or gotten this to this level of source code. And, and one of the articles I was reading talked a little bit about some of the security researchers really believe that Lapsus is actually paying corporate insiders to get access. Um, and it wasn't really reported on that much. So I thought it was kind of an interesting angle and that helps to understand a little bit more um, how could they could get into such a secure company and, and other companies too? Because as you read through the story there, 
they've targeted lapsus this this hacking group has targeted other global companies uh, the likes of, of samsung and, and ubisoft and uh, and others so that's probably their in how they actually did it they they got in through uh, corporate insiders which which really tells you you got to have um really education in a company you got to know your employees you have to have policies and procedures to make sure that nobody does leak information and that if it's caught, if they're caught, that they're actually prosecuted and taken to the full extent of, of whatever you can do there, because it's a serious crime. And when hackers are working that close with inside of an organization, it's going to be tough to stop them. It really is going to be tough because they're going to waive a lot of money Mm -hmm. uh, and tempt somebody. And I think that's probably what happened here. We'll find out as the story uh, unfolds and more uh, investigation goes on, but pretty concerning. Yeah, there's um, a couple uh, little side notes to the story that I'm seeing pop up after, you know, we pull these stories sometimes a day mm -hmm. in advance of when we record, sometimes a few days in advance. And ever since uh, we pulled this story, I've seen um, more stories about the mass, the apparent master, I should say, alleged mastermind uh, behind Lapsus. It's actually a teenager uh, that lives five miles outside of Oxford University. So they're in Great Britain. And they, uh, this was, a, I think the story was broken by Bloomberg. You could find more on The Verge. That's the one I'm looking on. Okay. Um, um, but it's, uh, they talked to this kid's mother um they tried to at least and you know she gave a no comment but they're thinking I, I i don't know where they traced the ip address or there's some other circumstantial evidence that drew them in to uh point the finger at at, at this uh person but um then i saw uh following that story just after that seven teenagers have been arrested in connection with the with the hacking by uh london police so it seems like it's definitely uh you know in england over there over the pond uh is, yep. is a source for something going on and maybe they maybe they caught these guys but you know it just shows you that how fast they get on top of these type of things, especially when you're dealing with ip theft or oh, yeah. potential you know uh uh, it's much more than just stealing a couple million uh, credit card numbers from random people. This is like this IP theft could be sell the IP could be sold to the highest bidder and the bidding could go up into the billions because you're dealing with a trillion dollar company, which is Microsoft. So, um, sure. you know, the authorities will react differently depending on how much money is at stake. We've seen that time and time again. And I think this just goes to uh, prove that point again. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in line with what you're mentioning there. Just thinking about the age of them, they the average age was, well, it was, I guess, what's the range? Between 16 to 21 years old, uh, these seven individuals that were arrested there, which is, mm. I, I consider, again, we're a little bit older than that, but geez, they're, they're more than half our age. These are, these are guys that are in high school or maybe going into college that are probably... Um, you know, just just very young, high tech mm -hmm. and and causing all this kind of mischief. It really makes you start to, to wonder what in the world's going on. Um, and, and then if you looked, I was looking at the, the Verge article talked about this a little bit, too. And they mentioned there in the latter part of it that one member of the Lapsus group was involved with a data breach at uh, EA. Uh, and this was something Brian Krebs reported on just the other day there. 
Um, so I, I guess they're really targeting a lots of different companies or have targeted before they got arrested. And, and it looks like they were actually released already too, but it's still under investigation. So not sure what exactly that means. Do they just kind of watch them closely until they get more proof? Um, or mm-hmm. did they, did they not find enough evidence where they could actually keep them held? Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You always assume that when it's a young group of hackers that they're more in it for the mischief and disruption and not necessarily yeah. a, a big, you know, payday of sto- based on stolen data, but you know, who knows these, these kids, yeah. maybe they have connections that are people their age or older and they're offering them big money for big, you know, big data. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, I, th- I think so. Know. I, and I, I was thinking like, just even when we were younger, remember when we used to pirate games and stuff and mm-hmm. I mean, we, we would copy games until, you know, until the wee hours of the night and hacking into different bulletin board systems and stuff. But we, we never sold them for monetary gain. And, and I think of the likes of other hackers, maybe back in the nineties and such like a Kevin Mitnick's of the world. Um, I mean, he, eventually when you're a hacker, you do come across information that could be proprietary, uh, a personal information. He came across credit cards and banking details and stuff. Yet, he, at least the claims, he's never used them. He's never stole money or did anything like that. It was more for the fun of hacking and causing disruption, even though some of the, the acts, I guess, that he did were illegal and put him in, in jail for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same thing like you were talking about. I, th- I think of most of these kids, I call them, they're out there to, to, to brag and say, hey, I, you know, I got the source code for Bing. Check it out, guys, and posting it out there and bragging rights. I don't know if it's for for monetary gain as much. Yeah, and that your your mention of Kevin Mitnick reminds me of um, you know, there's a lot of laws out there that are just antiquated. They're not written for modern technology, with especially with things like hackers in mind. You know, you have like libel and slander laws, and they always are based on intent. You know, mm-hmm. you could say things, but if you didn't intend to harm the other party, you're not really guilty of those. And hacking seems to fall into that a lot of times, but the law doesn't know the difference. You know, if you hack into, into a mainframe or a network and you're just poking around to the law, you're just as guilty as someone who hacked into that same thing, stole data, sold it and caused the catastrophe, you know? So I think that's something that we, uh, the lawmakers need to revisit soon because you're 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 mixing in good hackers with bad hackers and treating them all the same way and it never it never that never seemed fair to me yeah no just not interesting story though really cool yeah um that brings us to our next bleeping computer story um which is uh android kind of uh, focused. Uh, the headline reads, Android password stealing malware infects 100,000 Google Play users. Um, now, I guess what happened here uh, is that a, uh, you know, there's plenty of malicious apps on both the Android store and the iOS uh, app store. Um, but, and, you know, it, it's strange because before we get into the story, I'm, I'm thinking like, I, I, actually hear more about the ios ones but yet the caveat you always hear with ios is that there's less malicious apps on them so it's it's definitely a i don't know if that's a you call that a double standard but the media loves um 
nailing Apple when they can, you know, because yeah. Apple's they're the they're the big company, they're the walled garden, they're they're they they wear their uh kind of motto on their sleeve. We're gonna keep yeah. you safe, you know, we're gonna keep you secure. What 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 you do on the iPhone stays on the iPhone, all those things. And so I think there's a lot of uh you know uh uh we got there's a lot of kind of gotcha moments. So sure. Sure. when when Apple slips up and they do from time to time, or maybe very often, actually, uh, we might not hear about half of the things, but I, I still hear about a lot of problems from there. And so uh, it's almost refreshing in a, in a weird way to hear about problems in the Google Play Store, yeah. because you know, they're there, you just don't hear about them quite as much. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because they're smaller scale, maybe because the developers don't flock to Google Play in the same way they do to iOS. And so you're not dealing with as many, um, with as much money, as much as much theft. I'm not sure, but um, uh, just a quick rundown of, of this is um, the uh, Facebook credentials uh, have were installed in uh, over a hundred thousand times in in this in the Google Play Store via this app, I think the app is called Crafts Art Cartoon Photo Tools, and this is kind of like one of those silly, um, you know, make your face morph and change cartoonish it. or something, and use it as your avatar, maybe on a social yeah. media platform or something. Right, and the malware used. Which has been used in other apps, apparently other 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 ways. It's called Face Stealer, and and I think that app somehow it attached itself to um, to to a, a legitimate app during during the process of um, uh, I don't know what it. Let me see what's to say. I think they call it. It's it's like a basically like a Trojan. So yeah. it's really getting kind of embedded into you know an unsuspecting innocent user they're, they're just downloading this whatever craft crafts art cartoon photo tool or whatever but mm -hmm. then it's really got malware embedded in there and that makes and, and the part that i was thought was interesting it makes the connection they, they trace down i guess through the, the addresses and stuff the ip addresses to a russian server always russia they're involved in everything it feels like mm -hmm. um but it, it's pretty pretty scary that so many innocent people are downloading this stuff. Uh, I, what did it say? I think it was over a hundred thousand times that was, has right. been been downloaded. That, that, that's a lot of people. Yeah, and the, obviously the app has already been pulled off the store. But if anyone yeah. listening, you you have anything like this on your phone, off. yeah, or anything even suspicious, you know, it's just, it's not worth it. You know, if it's a free app, then. Uh, and you, and it's suspicious in any way, then just don't even think about it. Delete it. You don't need it. Exactly. Don't open it. Don't install it. All, you know, all that stuff. Um, one of the things that uh, stuck out to me in, in reading the kind of bullet points of the story was they mentioned that it uses Facebook credentials, um, uh, Facebook accounts. Now, if you know, you're not, you're not on Facebook that much and I'm, I'm not yeah. either, but I've been on it enough to know that whenever I get an app, that says we need your Facebook login in order to yeah, never you know, connect, connect to contacts with our contacts and your, your credentials and stuff like that. As soon as I see that, I'm like, Oh, deal breaker. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I'm uh, understandably, yeah, I'm not a big Facebook user. So that, that makes sense. There's no reason for me to risk it, but there's like, there's kind of a, almost a numbness that we see because when you're of when you're a social uh, network user you get, you get these prompts so often 
when you, every time you install a new app that you're kind of like, you don't think about it anymore, yeah, you know, you're numb to it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so it's so easy when a password and, you know, login ID is stored in the password chain and it's all, it's already there. It fills it in, it scans your face, your thumbprint or whatever. And so a lot of these people I'm sure didn't think twice. They saw, Oh, Facebook, I have, I'm a Facebook user. I, I want, it won't have full functionality unless I connect my account and, and uses it. So of course I'm, I'm going to do it, but that's, that's exactly the time when you have to stop and think about what you're doing. Even if you are uh, heavily into these uh, social media networks and just, and just think, you know, wait, why is this mm-hmm. flashlight app asking for my location? You know, we've seen that come up time and time again. It makes no sense. You know, why is, why does Uber want to know my location, even when the app isn't running, you know, it's all these things, these little things, they add up and you're, you're, you're relinquishing your privacy through your data to all of these companies. Some of them are, are trying to make a world a better place, but even those that are trying to do that, they can get hacked. And so now you're now the data that they might've been, you know, theoretically protecting and using to better their services and better your life. It doesn't matter because now that data can get into the wrong hands and it can be turned used against you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was reading just as a kind of a footnote of a, one article tied to this, it's called uh, hot hardware. And it mentions just kind of, kind of to your point a little bit, you know, apps like this, they could be fun and useful, whatever you may download. Um, but they, they, they kind of throw up, be extremely cautious when any app asks for login credentials for other apps, such as Facebook. Once a malicious JavaScript's injected into your device, it can be used to steal your login credentials, hmm. your email address, your IP address, and more. And then they kind of go in and, and expound a little bit on some of the warnings that the Biden administration put forth to American business leaders that a lot of attacks are going to be orchestrated out of Russia trying to, I don't know, steal information and, and you know, addresses and email and personal information, although they didn't make a direct connection. They're not saying that, you know, Putin is necessarily behind this attack here, but this is just yet another example that likely was orchestrated out of Russia that's uh, compromising people's information. Hmm. Yep. Well, um, and just to give you a little bit of uh uh, backstory on the, on how we do this show. Uh, at least this week, <laughs> we were we were just discussing before we started recording. Well, what's our what's our tip of the week? We gotta we gotta do something, and usually we try to align it with one of the stories. Um, I, and I we don't really have a a solid tip per se, but uh, you know we did want to kind of bring up the fact, and I already alluded to it. Um, you know the differences in approaches. You know we're both uh, Apple guys, Apple fans, Apple consumers. Um, and, but, but we also understand the technology behind both Apple and Google as far as their app stores. And so I like to think we make an educated choice, but a lot of it is, you know, Apple has sexy hardware and we're used to the biased. Yeah. yeah, We're, we're used to the operating systems and that's why I would never jump to a windows machine unless I absolutely had to, I would never jump to a Google device unless I absolutely had to, because Apple covers 99% of my needs. And why should I, you know, have to learn a, a whole new uh, interface and all that stuff. But there is something to be said for the differences and the way, you know, the iOS app store kind of protects users and the way 
the Google Play Store protects users. Um, I, 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 you know, Apple has long, ever since their beginning, they've always gone kind of the lone wolf route. They've always been the walled garden. They've always had proprietary uh, standards, connectors, a proprietary platform. And so that just by its nature kind of creates, um, I guess you could say, a, I don't see, I, I'm always I'm hesitant to say it, it automatically creates a safer environment because we always, you know, we see stories where um, of all the time when things sneak through Apple's filtering, get into the app store, get out in the wild and cause mm-hmm. trouble. Um, so it's, it's a hard, it's hard. You don't want to, you don't want to make a, a blind uh, rule and say Apple's better than Google at security or privacy, because I don't think it's fair to say that, but I do think it's fair to say that they have some unique advantages that Google, Google will never get because of the nature of their open system and their kind of uh, business model in as far as data collection and advertising and Apple, Apple shies away from that kind of stuff. I don't know. Do you, do you think there's a, that you can clearly state that one is better than the other in a specific way, or is it just, is it just too hard of a call to make for you? Yeah, I, I do think it, it's a little harder. And I guess you could argue it a couple of ways. Typically, Apple has a smaller use user base, so it's not targeted as much and, and inherent, more secure just based upon the numbers. Uh, one could also argue, uh, you know, I always think about security and in some cases, n- not personal security or small business, but more large enterprise, large corporations, big tech giants. It has to do with the spend also. To protect things, you got to spend a lot of money. Apple is the richest company in the world, obviously. Uh, Google's not too far behind, of course, but I, I do think both of them spend a lot of money mm-hmm. keeping their stuff secure. Google more so on the side, the, the software side, Apple more on the hardware side, but obviously hardware and software have to play and work together. Um, so that does come into play. But I think just my gut typically says, and again, I have a lot of friends and that, that use both Apple and, and, and Google. Some are migrating from one to the other. Uh, fortunately, many are migrating away from the Google and Android world to the Apple world, which I always love because it's easier just to stay connected with them. And I think that's just because the iPhone success, I see that as probably the driving factor. It's, it's become a little bit of a overpriced status symbol by holding up the latest and greatest iPhone and how many cameras you have on it. But the, the same thing is true with, you know, uh, other phone manufacturers as well. They, they've kind of created this high end product that seems to get most of the attention. Yet everybody realizes the majority of the users out there are not necessarily buying the Cadillac uh, iPhone per se and don't need that type of horsepower in their hand. It's like three supercomputers are trying to hold in the palm of their hand. It's a, it's a bit overkill sometimes. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess we could, um, uh, make this uh, tip of the week, just, uh, well, you know, use what is best for you and beware whether, regardless of what, what store you, you frequent, um, what, what app store you use or what hardware, what phone you use. Um, just, just beware that, um, there's going to be, uh, cyber criminals and hacks and exploits on, 
both platforms on on any platform for that matter uh there's no such thing as 100 secure so you gotta the buyer the consumer has to do their own research because if you wait for the headlines that we bring you it might be too late you might have been already if, if it's a, if it's a zero day exploit um you might already be a victim of that so yeah. just be aware and 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 use the one that that works best for you um okay yeah cool but let's jump into what we got a third story here we don't want to miss that too yeah um before we do that just want to remind the audience once again that the epi- this episode is brought to you by cyberlytica who's providing proactive cybercrime intelligence um and you learn more about all their offerings on cyberlytica.com uh our third story comes from i don't know what this website is uh lad bible not never been to it before never heard of it until this but figure give them a shout out because that's where we got we got this story from um this one is anonymous says that they hacked russian printers and printed a message that wrote the people of russia must find horror in putin's actions uh and they claim to have printed over a hundred thousand copies of the message uh, I guess it, I don't know if they if they wasted a hundred thousand sheets of paper or what's going on there, but I it said later on in the story it kind of said something about a PDF, hundred thousand copies of a PDF file. So yeah. I don't know if they if they took overtook complete control of the printer and just started printing away, or they or they kind of forced a print when somebody wanted to print something else. Instead, it forced this this and message. Probably prioritized it or something. Their job. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the printer the printer queue. They just put theirs on top, I guess, yeah. or something. Um, but you know, we've seen plenty of these stories. We just had that story about uh, Putin's um, yacht getting hacked. Uh, was that yes. a week ago? Or yep. you know, and it, it it put up some nonsense message and stuff like that. I mean, it's. I, this this one kind of falls under the category more of hacker hijinks than anything real truly dangerous but it, it is important you know in the same way that they kind of uh, anonymous also we also covered the story how they hacked a uh, some russian tv stations yeah. um you know we're we're finding that uh, russia has kind of clamped down on information and so they're they're kind of running a a uh, non-information and a disinformation campaign mm-hmm. at the same time. The disinformation is kind of going to everyone. Uh, well, I, I, I guess it's I guess it's kind of going to everyone um, because the, they're also blocking a lot of uh, information coming in from you know world news sources to their own people. They don't want the Russians to um, really know. The whole deal and so i guess part of this is anonymous's way of saying hey we're going to try to spread the truth in any way we can and if they shut a if they shut the tv studios down the tv stations get shut down after we hack it then we're going to go on to websites if they shut the websites and the servers down we're just going to go right to the printers and literally take people's home printers and office printers we're going to take them hostage and print out you know, our truth, you know, print out the truth that the, as the world sees it. Um, so there's something, there's something hacktivist in this story as well. It's not just complete nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, absolutely. And I think it's good just, just for our listeners. I, I was thinking back, if you go back a year or two, probably the vast majority of consumers just never heard of anonymous, or maybe they heard of it in a 
in the background conversation, but never really understood what, what is this group? Who's behind it? What's going on? And, and I think it's interesting just to, to give kind of the definition of it. Cause we talk about it all the time and often forget, but they're, they're a loosely organized internet group of hackers and political activists. They began a collective around 2003 and they really spawned off of 4chan. I think we've talked about that before an anonymous uh, internet chat. And, and they got some, some different, uh, um, things that they've targeted in the past that really got them kind of in the, in the media headlines and even more so lately with, with stories like this, but they're, they're a decentralized in, international activist and hacktivist collective and a movement primarily known for various cyber attacks against several governments, government institutions, government agencies, corporations, and church of Scientology. And uh, their purpose, they, they claim their purpose is anti-cyber surveillance anti-cyber censorship, internet activism, and internet vigilantism, if I could say that right, vigilantism. So interesting background just to kind of set the stage for this a little bit there. But I think I always think of them just as a hacktivist group. They pick and choose what they want to target and um, they, they send a strong message and it's hard to fight back because they're everywhere. And uh, even their motto, I thought it's kind of funny. It says, we are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have this collective that, that can, can be a little eerie, I guess, especially if you're the victim of it. That being um, Russia or Russian printers right now, it's kind of be causing a, a, a lot of problems, especially yeah. recently. I heard that the price of uh, copier paper is starting to soar and there's a lot of shortages with certain things in the world of paper, especially copier paper. So um, I'm sure Russia's not happy about this. Yeah. Um, anonymous, they definitely straddle that line. I mean, they're doing illegal things. There's no doubt about it. And of course they claim they're doing an illegal thing, but for the right, you know, the right cause or the right reason. And on the, so on the one hand, they remind me a little bit of the uh, EFF, the electronic frontier foundation, yes, yes. you know, that, cause they're always trying to protect the rights, you know, digital rights of, of people. Um, and so there's, there's some of that activism there, but on the other side, they're also, they are kind of eerily close to, you know, uh, groups like Antifa, you know, there mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's not, there's no, there's no head, there's no structure exactly. And Loose it's arranged. Sort of, yeah. It's kind of an anonymous army. And so there's no head count. You don't know how big this army is. And, and that scares, that, uh, that scares, you know, regular people, but it especially scares uh, law enforcement, you know, and, and people who try to tamp down all of these movements, because if you can't, kill the snake by cutting off its head or, you know, all that stuff, then you're fighting a futile battle and you're, you're doomed to lose, you know, and that, that scares, that scares everyone. Oh yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because in part, they're not just saying, you know, this is right or that's wrong. They're also um, influencing and educating because in that story, it talks about some of the messages that they were putting out there, the, the collective, they're tweeting um, instructions, how to circumvent privacy, uh, um, how to download the Tor browser to stay safe and, and use that so they don't get uh, get censored and things of that sort. So it's kind of interesting. They're, they're helping to educate people so they don't fall victim, in this case, to the 
I guess, propaganda or the stories that Russia is allegedly putting out there to fool people. And uh, they're trying to say, hey, wake up. Here's some ways that you can circumvent this and hear the real deal of what's really going on. Mm. Yep. Well, we one thing's for sure. We haven't heard the end of them. Um, no. They'll probably be, we'll probably be talking about them in next week's show, too. So uh, go out and educate yourself on anonymous and, you know, join the conversation. You have any you have any questions for us or comments? You know, you could shoot them our way, of course. Um, before we uh, uh, wrap the show up, I uh, want to do a quick check in with you. Uh, you got anything uh, going on? Any 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 plans for uh, uh, speaking engagements or interviews? Anything you've done recently? Yeah, I do. I do have a um, l- little bit of everything, but I'm I'm starting to get lots of requests uh, for speaking uh, uh, keynotes. Uh, one today for for moder- moderating a panel discussion coming up with a with a, a big data company. Um, so all all of these, everybody seems to be coming out of the woodwork saying, "Hey, we're we're getting back to shows and events. We we want you to come in. We, we you know read your book. Want to want you to come in and speak about this or that or uh, he, hear your voice. And 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 the great stuff is that I think a lot of people are hearing the content like this great show. You know, cyber coast to coast and and the, the stuff I'm doing on cybercrime radio and the various interviews throughout the week." Uh, I think is really helping me to get a nice rounded understanding of all of the things going on in the world of cyber. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, a lot of my time lately with m- many of these interviews is has been a lot of the stuff with the Russia-Ukraine mess and, and all of the cyber hacking. And, and I think you and I in a, another two weeks or so are going to be kind of putting together a, a nice little mm-hmm. compilation video of all the different interviews and some of the takeaways from it to help people get a sense of what's going on in the world of cybersecurity as that, as that kind of parallels this uh, terrible war that's going on between Ukraine and, and Russia. Yeah. I was surprised to see, I started adding them up and all of the uh, appearances you've done, all the interview requests specifically for this uh, kind of cyber war going on. And there, there's more than, a, there's a lot. Um, and I, ha- and, there's no reason to believe that there's not going to be several more just for you alone requests yeah. uh, in, in the, in the coming weeks, because um, you know, the U S tightens their economic sanctions. The world keeps, you know, Europe is, is getting pulled into it more and more just based on the fact that uh, Russia supplies so much uh, natural gas and oil to, to Europe. Um, I don't think we're going to see a quick or bloodless uh, resolution to this war anytime soon. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. It's, it's very, really uh, sad there. And I think w- we often think of things that, you know, what's going to help us as maybe Americans to stay safe. So we're not the victims of hacks and things. But at the same time, I, I, I realized that there's probably endless uh, uh, hacks that have, have been happening on an ongoing basis that are not just disruptive, but they're life-threatening. When you look at what's going on over at Ukraine, the, the, the specific attacks Russia's making on Ukraine, where it is actually affecting people's lives, where they can't communicate, where they can't uh, connect with their loved ones, where they, they can't get money, where they can't buy food, they can't shop on the internet. I mean, we don't really see that same level of disruption here unless we're the victim of a specific targeted attack there. They're, they're living with this each and every day. And then also hoping that 
their their entire critical infrastructure doesn't come crumbling down. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a really scary thing that's going on over there. And I think the 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 fallout of a lot of this from certainly from a cyber perspective is going to take years till till we really understand all the things that actually transpired and happened you know, within Ukraine and around it. And, and now I think they're starting to more and more stories are coming up of, you know, banks that are being targeted and, and other critical infrastructure that's being targeted, certainly within the United States and other uh, NATO affiliates. So it, it's becoming a global situation right now. And I'm afraid it might get a little bit worse and, and truly become a, a, a cyber World War Three in a sense. And with that terrible news, we end this episode. Well, but before we go, just want to one last time remind the audience that it, this episode was brought to you, brought to you by Cyberlytica, um, proactive cybercrime intelligence, all things dark web. Uh, you'll you'll understand what I mean when you go to their website, uh, www.cyberlytica.com. Um, I just, I just wrote a, a new outro for the show. So let's see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how natural it sounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, and more. If you would like to hear, wait, if you like what you hear, sorry, please subscribe and review our podcast. We uh, definitely would appreciate it. Uh, for questions and comments, uh, DM us or tweet us on Twitter uh, at Scott BVS, uh, I gave him your, I gave him your Twitter. Sure, that's fine. You, you like to handle a lot of these questions. Um, or you could visit, uh, for more information and all the latest inter- interviews and things that Scott's doing. Uh, if we read your comment or question on the podcast, we will send you your choice of a signed copy of hacked again, cybersecurity is everybody's business or senior cyber. Um, those are our, you know, three books that we kind of, uh, wrote together and hopefully we're coming out with some more soon. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for listening and tune in next week for another new episode packed with cyber news and tips to stay safe. Uh, I'm Craig Schober signing out from the West coast. All right. Thanks again, Craig. And this is Scott Schober signing out from the East coast. Stay safe, everyone. Cyber.